Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. All right, now before I greet everybody in the room, let's go over to, uh, where are we going? Second Corinthians. Now, you know, we're, we're in our series for the record, and what we've been doing is walking through the Scriptures, and we've been dealing with common Bible misconceptions, misconceptions about the Bible. You know, like, uh, like one would be, you know, the phrase, uh, God helps those who help himself. God helps those who help themselves. You just know that's not in the Bible. Like the Bible says, God helps those who help them. No, Benjamin Franklin said that. So let's give credit to who credit is due. Uh, <laughs> also, the, 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 the misconception that Adam and Eve ate an apple. There's no scripture that says they ate an apple. Somebody made that up. So it was a piece of fruit. We do know that from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but there's no biblical evidence that it was actually an apple. So eat an apple. Good for you, all right? Apple a day does something. I don't remember. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I do know the rest of the phrase. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Are you guys ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Verse 7 says, Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. Now, what Paul is about to do uh, in talking to the Corinthian church is he's having to somewhat defend himself to them, all right? This guy started this church. He started this church. He started the church in Corinth, and uh, actually it started in a house. A guy by the name of Stephanus, very close to your name, uh, was the first convert in Achaia, the region of Achaia, which was, and Corinth was the capital city in that region. And uh, Stephanus was the first fruit there, the first, one, first convert, and that happened in a house, but then it eventually became a church, and a great church was established there. I said great church. It was great in some ways. In other ways, it was, it was a mess. I mean, the Corinthian church, when you walk through the Corinthian letters, you see real-life issues, right? One, in one breath, Paul's calling them saints, and the next he's calling them carnal, right? So here, now we get to chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, and, and he's having to defend himself because they've allowed these guys to come in and tout their own ministries, all right? They've come in, they've come in, and they've, they've said things like, I've paid the price for the gospel, so obviously I'm authentic, right? And they've talked about all the things that they endured and all the things that they suffered so that people would give offerings to them. Hello. All right, now watch. Look at verse 7, or verse, verse 8. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed. Whoa. I need to catch up with you now. Nine. Lest I seem to terrify you by letters. Let's read verse 10. We're going to read quite a bit of passage of Scripture because I want you to see the theme of, of what Paul's talking about, all right? For his letters, they say. <laughs> For his letters, speaking of Paul's letters, this is what he is hearing. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. 
Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such we will also be indeed when we are present. So you're not getting two different guys is what he's saying. I'm the same in my writing. I'm in the same. I'm going to be the same guy when I show up. All right? For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. See what he's dealing with? There are those who have been coming here commending their ministry and commending and, 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 and acting like they have authority over the people. When Paul's the guy that started the church, he says, we're not going to compare ourselves with those guys who commend themselves. That's not how we operate, all right? But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. And Paul's saying, hey, listen. Uh, our boast is you, the fact that you're here, the fact that you're growing in faith and learning a, about God. That's our boast, all right? Verse 14, for we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you, for it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. Not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our spirit. Isn't this awesome? These are the kind of leaders we need, right? To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment, verse 17. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Can I get a good amen? For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. We know another scripture that says, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due season, right? Let God, God exalting you and you exalting yourself are two different things. He'll do a whole lot better job of it, all right? Now, I read all that. Is that the final verse there? Now let's go to chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to continue to read. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. Now, we're sensing the tone here of, of Paul going a bit sarcastic. All right? Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. Look at verse 2. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste, chaste version, chaste version, I'm sorry, to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. You see what he's saying? I came and preached to you the simplicity of Christ. I came to you and preached the gospel, but you're just accepting anything that comes. All right? For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. Even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Verse 7, did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted? Because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches taking wages from them to minister to you. Ouch. Verse 9, and when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one for what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied, and in everything I kept myself from being burdensome to you, and so I will keep myself. Verse 10, as the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows. 
But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. In other words, what he's saying, they're boasting about doing it, we're actually doing it. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms transforms himself into an angel of light. Verse 15, therefore it is no great thing if he ministers, if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. I say again, let no one think me a fool, if otherwise at least receive me as a fool, that I also may boast a little. Well, okay. So he's saying, okay, this is are you ready for some boast? Is this what you want to hear, the guys that boast about themselves? Okay, look at verse 17. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord. Just so you understand, but as it were, foolishly in this confidence of boasting. All right, he's making sure that we're not getting Scripture here at this moment. All right, he's saying this is, this is not the Lord. This is what you've asked for. This is the kind of stuff you like. Guys coming up here committing themselves, committing their apostleship, authenticating themselves by their much boasting. Seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. Wow. To our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. You see this? Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. This is nothing but sarcasm. These religious preachers take, look at all the stuff that Paul went through for the gospel. Right? He said, this is fool's talk. You mean to give you a list of all the things I've gone through for you? To authenticate my apostleship? Are you kidding me? Let's jump down to, let's go to chapter 12, verse 11, for the sake of time. Are you guys okay? Watch well, it. Chapter 10, chapter 11, verse, and then chapter 12, verse 11. I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me. For I ought to have been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Verse 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. In other words, he said, I, I talked the talk and I walked the walk. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches except that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me of this wrong. So all I'm saying is, we have to take the Bible in context, all right, and not take things that Paul said, especially in these three chapters, and act like they're from they're the Lord speaking. He said, this is not the Lord. This is not according to the Lord. I'm doing some foolish boasting for you because that's what you like to hear, all right? Isn't that interesting, though? How many, how many sermons have we heard? How many, unfortunately... Men of God stand up and feel like they have to do this kind of thing so that people will want to hear them rather than just preach the simple gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? People need to hear the Scriptures. 
right? That's what we need. That's what we're here to do, to hear the Word of God. I don't have any more wisdom than the Word of God to give to you. I'd be wasting my time and yours. Huh? Oh, by the way, let's talk about this thorn in the flesh while we're at it. The much debated Paul's thorn in the flesh. As some believe that it was some kind of eye disease he had. Others believe it was sickness. Some believe that it was a sin habit that he had. People just make up all kinds of things about it. One thing we do know about Paul, or prior to that, Saul, the, the Pharisee, is that he was a well-educated man. He, he said, I, I sat at the feet of a guy named Gamaliel, who was the Pharisee of Pharisees. So Paul had a special education in his upbringing. This guy knew. As a matter of fact, he said, concerning the law, I was more zealous than anybody else. He said, actually, I kept the law. I, concerning the law, I was blameless. He said, the other guys, they were jogging. I was sprinting this thing. I mean, I gave everything. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. As a matter of fact, those who were preaching this gospel at one point, I was dragging them out of their homes, men and women, and putting them in chains. I was trying to put this thing to death because it was going against my religious beliefs. You know, you can be pro-God and be anti-Christ, but not really. I mean, Paul was pro-God, right? I mean, he was zealous for God, yet he was anti-Christ, and that doesn't really work out all that well. There are a lot of people who are doing things in the name of God, right? In the name of their God, but, but anti-Christ in it, which is ultimately anti-God. So this, is, this was Paul's upbringing and, and, and his zeal and his passion for... So he knew he was obviously a scholar, a gentleman and a scholar of the Old Covenant, all right? Knew it quite well. So let's, let's go over to... Is that in... Uh, Corinthians, first, second Corinthians 12, the beginning. Alex? Hold tight. Hang in there. Why are y'all so quiet? Somebody tell a joke. Just kidding. Yeah, 12, 7. Yeah, there it is. And lest I should be exalted above measure. This is part of his sarcastic rant. By the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, a messenger of who? Satan, to buffet me, lest I, should, lest I be exalted above measure. Verse 8, that is, unless my influence should go out. That's all he's, that's all he's saying. Unless, unless this gospel, gospel should be preached uninhibited, there was the, the devil's trying to stop me, right? So he's sending a messenger to buffet me. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. All right? That's this resistance to the gospel. All right, verse 9. And he said to me, no, Paul. I don't know how many times I've heard that. No, Paul, my grace is... God never said no. God's given him a yes here. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So in other words, what God is saying is what this messenger of Satan is set to do is actually going to turn out for your good. 
Because you think about once Paul got in prison, my family, he sat down and began to write. And we're holding in our hands today what he wrote. I would say that he was exalted above measure. Because we're still talking about it. We're still reading from him today. 2,000 years later. So what the devil meant for evil, God said, hey, listen, I got you handled here. And your weakness and your limitations where you can't preach this gospel, hey, listen to me. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Just watch what I do. My grace is all you need. Now watch. He said a thorn in the flesh. Now, we have to, we can speculate all we want about what was Paul's thorn in the flesh. But what are we going to, at the end of the day, where is that going to take us? Right? It's like one of the most frustrating times for me during sports is two weeks before the Super Bowl. Because you turn on Sports Center, and all you have is speculation. Well, I think this is going to happen. Well, I think, well, uh, this, uh, this scenario is going to, this going to, and uh, when the game starts, guess what? None of that matters. It's all just opinions. What I think, what I hope, what I believe. It's a waste of two weeks, but let's just get the game going. Is it possible, Paul being a scholar of the Old Covenant, you know, the Bible interprets itself. The best interpretation, the interpreter of the Bible is the Bible. And if we'll keep reading, we'll find out the answers. Look at Numbers chapter 33 for a moment, verse 55. This is the Lord speaking to the children of Israel. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Could it possibly be that Paul is referring to a thorn in the flesh as someone who harasses him? He did say a messenger of the harasser himself. Right? Okay. Look at Joshua 23, 13. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns on your eyes until you perish from the good land which the Lord God, Lord God has given you. It's, not a very exciting verse, but uh, now Judges chapter 2, verse 3, Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare to you. It doesn't only stand to reason that these, this thorn in the flesh would possibly be those who are trying to continually kill Paul for the gospel's sake. And most of them were the Jews, some Gentiles, but most of them were the Jews who were trying to have him killed on every turn. I mean, he was beaten five times with rods. Three times he received stripes. Uh, he, was, he was stoned to death at one place. Somehow he survived that just by God resurrecting him. And then he was imprisoned. He was starved. He was shipwrecked. I mean, all those kind of bitten by the poisonous snake when they landed, uh, crash landed on the island of Malta. And now here he says, this thorn in the flesh was given to me to buffet me, a messenger of Satan. We see that clearly what the thorn in the flesh was. According to the Old Testament, if we let that interpret it for us, it's this people group who's trying to kill him. I don't know why we need to try to speculate anything else than that. Let Scripture tell us what that thorn in the flesh was. So, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm. 
Those who are trying to take you out are only going to find out that this gospel can't be chained. No, you can. But this message will not be chained. Does this help you tonight? All right, let's go to one last place. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to talk to you for a few more minutes about money. A common misconception about money, this verse of Scripture that is misquoted a lot. All right? And the, and the phrase, the, 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 mis, the misunderstood phrase, or the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, huh? Idiom, is that what that's called? Thank you. Common expression, or, well, it's not... It's, it's, it's the wrong interpretation of it. Misconception. Oh, this is what we've been calling this all along. Okay. Thank you, Brian. This misquoted verse is said like this. Money is the root of all evil. All right? Let's see what the Bible actually says. Verse 6 of 1 Timothy 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Hey, when, uh, when uh, Jazz Lee was born, did he have any money in his hand or anything? He came in naked as a jaybird, didn't he? <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> money was taken from you. <clears throat> we brought nothing in this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Right? That's why we, it's, it's, it's useless for us to get caught up in stuff, trying to grasp stuff. Because no matter how special, you know, anybody have kids here? You ever go to their room and try to help them clean it up because, you know, they have, they can't manage all the stuff they have, right? And my kids used to do this all the time, and so I would say, well, let's throw this away. I mean, it's a wadded up piece of paper on the floor. No, Dad, that's special. It's so special, you wad it up and put it on the floor, but when I want to throw it away, now all of a sudden, Dad, it's special. Right? We have this tendency to just get attached to stuff. Useless stuff. It starts as children. Right? And so we, we, we have, because this is the way of the world, you know, a, a, man, a man's uh, um, wealth or a man's, uh, well, that's wealth or his, his uh Come on, holler. Thanks, man. Can I get my worth is made up of the stuff he has, right? The stuff he possesses. But when you die, and all of us, the good news is, you know, nobody's getting out of here alive. <laughs> all right. That's that. Those theologians called the Foo Fighters taught me that. No one's getting out of here alive. So. We're all headed for a hole in the ground. Thank God that's not the end. But the moment you take that first breath, you're walking right toward that hole. So live it up. Aren't you glad you came to church tonight? You're all going to die. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, i got to stay on track here. I'm totally off right now. But you're, after, after you die, your children and your grandchildren are going to take your stuff they're going to put it out on the driveway. I'm going to sell it for a nickel here, a dime here, 
a quarter here, and you think, oh, my stuff. That don't mean nothing. Huh? There's, all I'm saying is there's something greater to live for. All right? So when, here he says, having food and clothing with these things, we will be content. All right? Let's keep going. But those who desire to be rich, now hang on. We need to, we need to go real slow and we're walking through this. Okay? Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The Bible does not say money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. God knows we have to have money. I mean, come on, right? Jesus didn't walk around going, money is evil. Matter of fact, he said, show me a coin. They showed him he said, whose inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. And he said, well, give Caesar's what's his and give God what, what is his. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Look at this, strayed from faith in their greediness. So what does, faith, what does faith do? If you stray from faith and grief, then faith says to give, right? And pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Verse 11. Is there a verse 11? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Verse 17. You're right, Alex. Go 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust. So what he was saying is those who desire riches, he was talking about the wrong kind of desire, all right? Their aim is money. That's it. It's the love of money. It's not about being rich isn't, isn't a sin, all right? Who are rich in this present day, not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. Doesn't the scripture tell us that God, the blessing of the Lord, makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it? So God has designed a way actually for people to get wealthy, to be rich, and there's no sorrow in that. And there's nothing but certainty in it. He says uncertain riches are those in which you trust in. The harder you grasp, the, the quicker it slips out of your grasp. Right? Because it's about grasping, getting, rather than being a conduit of giving. Present, not to be, nor to trust in the certain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. You see what I mean? So God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Not to have a bunch, not to have good things and then go, God, you know, we have, we just, I don't know why we do this. But we gotta, we gotta stop being this way. Oh, I see you got a new, a new car or a new, oh, I like your new suit. Yeah, I got it on sale. I mean, we always feel like we have to justify why we have nice things. I could never afford something like this, but, you know, we got the deal of a century. Why can't you just say, yeah, I'm really enjoying it? Because God gives us really all things to enjoy. Amen. Amen. That's just false humility, right? Am I helping you tonight? He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Oh, that's so good. Let them do good, verse 18, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that he may lay hold on eternal life. That's all. I just, and you remember when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what, do I, what must I do 
to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, uh, well, you know the commandments. You know the commandments. Why did Jesus tell him, you know the commandments? Do, do, the, do the commandments get us eternal life? So what must I do? Because this man asked him, how can I have eternal life? He said, what must I do? Just give me the checklist, Lord. Right? And Jesus said, okay, if that's what you want, you know the commandments. You shall not kill, you know, covet, you shall not. He says, all of these I have kept since I was a little boy. And Jesus looked at him, the scripture says, and loved him. He says, one thing you lack, go and sell what you have and give to the poor. Come, follow me. And the scripture says that this rich young man walked away because he had great riches. And then Jesus said how hard it is for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples said, well, who then can be saved? They're astonished, right? Who then can be saved? He said, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, Peter, you're rich, but you don't trust in riches, so relax. Because if his disciples are poor, I mean, we've talked about this before. We've got to think about those responses. He said, how hard is this for the rich man? If all these guys were poor, they'd be like, yeah, that's right. The rich, it's coming to the rich guy someday. Yeah, right? These guys, they're all astonished. Like Peter's like, who then can be saved? Apparently, he had some money too to worry about. Jesus said, don't worry about it. Those who trust in riches, you're following me. You're good. All right. Those who trust. It's the love of money, not money. The love of money. Oh, but the love of God, the love of God is how your money will never become your God. Hmm? Jesus said, you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. But you can't serve both. You serve God, your money will then serve you. Money makes a much better servant than it does master. Amen. So we serve God. And we let money serve us, and therefore the kingdom of God. Amen. Okay. Uh, you know what? We're going to stop there tonight. I, I want to get into Jonah, but we'll, we'll wait on that for next week, okay? For next week. Charlie ain't got a problem. He's like, let's get out of here. All right. So, so, let's stand up tonight. Praise God. Oh, thank you. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord for a moment. Let's have a moment of thanksgiving. huh? Just open your mouth and give thanks to Him. If you want to pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. The Scripture says that you give thanks when you pray in the Spirit. Just thank God for His goodness. Thank Him for His truth that sets us free. Thank Him for His truth that the greatest truth that has ever come to us is that Christ Jesus died for our sins. And that he was buried and God raised him from the dead three days later. I love that. Whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. That's when life really begins. Is in him. Thank you, Jesus, that you truly did die for all of our sins. So that we wouldn't get caught. Caught up in our failure. That we wouldn't get caught up in the regret of our failures. That we wouldn't be caught up in the guilt and the shame. And feel like we're not worthy. Oh God, yeah, you made us worthy. You said, you're so worthy that you're worth the death of my son. That's how much you love us. Help us, God, to see us like you see us. Hallelujah, Lord.
Call out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Because, God, your word is life to us. It's life to us who find it. It's health to all of our flesh. Thank you that you truly do give us richly all things to enjoy. Your scripture also says that you give us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Thank you that we have everything in Jesus. Thank you for that mystery that was hidden through the ages. But now we're experiencing that mystery. That is Christ in us. Hallelujah, that you so saved us, that you so redeemed us and washed away all of our sins that you felt comfortable to come and live inside of us. Hallelujah. This holy, awesome, powerful being who would come and live in us. Thank you, Lord. So we thank Jesus who was forsaken so that we would never be forsaken. We thank Jesus who became sin so that we would become righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, that you became poor so that we would become rich. You were wounded. You became wounded by your stripes so that we could be healed. You became a curse, and we became blessed. You became the Son of Man so that we could become sons of God. We're not living just a changed life. We're living an exchanged life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I pray, God, for all these here tonight, that peace and grace would be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that when they lay down on their, head, on their beds tonight, Lord, that they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make them dwell in safety. And, Lord, when they rise in the morning, Lord, that they will have the full awareness, it's Christ in me today, that where they go, you go, God. And where they go and who they come in contact with, Lord, you have set up appointments for them, Lord, to minister the love and the grace of God, to share their story, Lord, to, 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 to minister that ministry of reconciliation, that message that God loves the world, that he gave the world his son. Thank you, Lord. I declare that all of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. I declare of this people, no weapon formed against them will prosper. Every tongue that rises against them in judgment, they shall condemn. Thank you, Lord. No evil shall befall them. No plague shall come near their dwelling. For you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. Thank you, Father God, that they are blessed and the favor of Almighty God surrounds them as with a shield. Thank you that you prosper them, increase them in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.